Hello, welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message uh, will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Again, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, we bless you, God. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you for caring for us, Lord. In a very special way. Hallelujah. Thank you for looking beyond our faults. Seeing and meeting our needs. God, we worship you. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Jesus. Glory to your name. Glory, glory, glory. Glory to your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Again, this morning, we welcome all of you who joined us in the sanctuary and those of you who have joined us online. Thank God for you being with us this morning. But most of all, we thank the Lord for his presence in our midst. Thank you, Brother Carlton, Minister Smiles, Minister Chalete, for leading us into the presence of the Lord in worship this morning. Hallelujah. I think there's no other time, no better time maybe to just think about how much God cares for us than at this time of year when we celebrate the birth of our Savior. Glory to the name of Jesus. I mean, we can think about it every day. and We should think about it every day, but this time of year we really focus on Christ and his birth, and God sending him into this world for a specific purpose to reconcile lost humanity, which includes you and me in this generation, unto him. So with that in mind, in the book of Matthew chapter 1, I'm going to read again, and we welcome our visitors too. I see some visitors this morning. Amen, uh, Sister Yvonne's mother, amen, and, and nieces and nephews, <laughs> amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you all for being with us this morning. Hallelujah. Do you feel good today? Hallelujah. Are you blessed today? In spite of everything, can you shout hallelujah? 
Amen. You may have an ache in your foot. Amen. You may have a broken leg, but glory to the name of Jesus. There might be sickness in your body, but you ought to be able to shout hallelujah unto the Lord our God. Hallelujah. St. Matthew chapter 1. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Old song says, I woke up this morning with my mind. Stayed on Jesus. Hallelujah. Chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21 is where we will focus. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. You ought to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I want to use for thought today, God's mission continues. God's mission continues. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. So thank you for sending your word to us this morning, and thank you for what your word is going to accomplish in our lives. Thank you for prospering your word in the things that you sent your word to. So in Jesus' mighty name that we pray, amen. Lord, be glorified. God's mission continues. Praise the name of Jesus. Christmas is an exciting time of year for a lot of people. Amen? Why? Well, the Christmas decorations are everywhere. The seemingly good attitudes of a lot of people. I mean, you go to the stores and everywhere you go, people, most people are smiling and, you know, saying Merry Christmas and willing to help and what have you. You know, you see the Christmas parades, uh, you see the Christmas parties, you hear Christmas music in a whole lot of places. Amen. Sometimes people don't even know what the music means. I'll, <laughs> I was listening to a song the other day, and it's in Georgia of the World, and the part of that song says, far as the curse is found. And I wonder how many people really understand what that means. You know, joy has come to the world, and it go, extends as far as the curse is found. And, you know, so a lot of times, you know, people just, it sounds good, but they don't really understand fully the curse that was upon, and is upon mankind that Jesus took away. Amen, amen, by his death on the cross. But but you see all of this in this season. You see uh, Christmas music, you hear it played in the stores and other places, towns and cities. Sometimes you're walking downtown and you're in the mall and you hear Christmas, Christmas music being played. Families get together. 
there's good food, including good dessert. I think I think people make dessert at Christmas time more than they do at Thanksgiving time. You know, special Christmas cookies and specially decorated cakes and uh, all kinds of good, 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 good goodies. Amen. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, don't forget the giving and receiving of gifts. It's definitely a beautiful time of year here in the United States. Now, I don't know about other places around the world, but I know that here in the United States, it is a beautiful, beautiful time of the year. Many people go out of their way to decorate their homes. You see lights everywhere. I mean, you see all kinds of images, deer, and of course you see what we don't believe in, Santa Claus everywhere. You know, I hope we don't believe in it. Amen. Um, uh, everywhere you see all of this, and, and we've been taught not to believe in it, you know, stop lying to our children. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Decorations everywhere, even in our houses, beautifully decorated trees. I was, I was in a store the other day, and the tree was so pretty. I mean, that was the most beautiful tree, and I started to ask the lady if she decorated it, but I realized that they have the money to bring professional decorators in. I don't think that lady decorated that tree, but I don't know. Maybe she did. But you see all of these beautiful decorations. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a beautiful time of the year. And I was reading a devotional yesterday, and it started with this quote. It's not what's under the tree that matters. It's who gathers around it. The people, the people really matter. The people really matter. A lot of us go out of our way many times at Christmas to show special love to people in our circles. But there's more people that we should be concerned about than those that are in our circles. The devotional went on to talk about relationships and the concern for one another. Can somebody say one another? You know, as I was writing this, the first, the first time when I wrote it, I wrote down the concern for others. But there's a difference in the concern for others and the concern for one another. One another means a two-way street. <laughs> concern for others may, mean, may just mean me caring for the other person. But when you talk about one another, it's talking about how we care for each other. It's, 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 it's two-sided. I don't just care for you, but you can care for me as well. One another one another. And the Bible is filled with, 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 with statements that direct us to such concerns to one another. Just for, to mention a few, in, in Galatians chapter 5, uh, in John chapter 13, verse 34, it talks about love one another. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it says we're to serve one another. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says that we should forgive one another. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says we are to honor one another. In James chapter 5, verse 25, we are to pray for one another. And so this devotional was encouraging readers to develop the practice of showing love and concern for one another, not just at Christmas time, but throughout the year. 
No, and he went on to say, we're not saying have a Christmas party. Uh, I'll have a party every month at your house, but just be concerned for one another. I think that, you know, if we had this concern for one another uh, in this covert season, more of us would be concerned about making sure that the least among us are protected. The sickest among us are protected. I was in the store yesterday, in air fair yesterday, and this lady walked in, and she went straight to the pizza counter and picked up the uh, the slicer and sliced her pizza. Now, that's a nice sign sitting there that says, sanitize or use gloves before you serve yourself. But she went straight to it, just just happy-go-lucky. You know, you know how people have this this flippant, you know, walk and and you know. And I'm saying, I'm saying to myself, she is not being considerate of the next person who may come behind her. And you know, I was thinking about, I was being judgmental. I was thinking about nastiness. So I happened to just when I went to my car, there was a truck parked in front of me that had a dog in it. And then in my mind, I'm saying, I bet this lady, this, 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 this truck belongs to that same lady. Sure enough, she got in the truck smiling, and the first thing she did was patted her dog on the head. Now, I know people who have dogs. Some people don't think about, they don't, you know, they, they see that dog as a person. But listen, if I, if I hug my wife, if I hug my child, before I go in the kitchen to do anything with food, I'm washing my hands. Much less a dog. <laughs> Anyhow, that makes me my pet peeve. But, but one another, just be concerned about one another. You know, I, I believe we could get, we could have gotten through this virus much faster if more people were concerned about one another. You know, not just concerned about myself and my own persuasion and what I might think. I don't like taking a vaccine, but I sure will, I sure took it and I took my booster. And they said, take another booster. I'm going to get the next booster. Amen. Because I want to make sure that I do my part to be concerned about not just my wife and not just you who come to church and I want you in worship and some of you, your immune systems are compromised. And so if my immune system is strong, then I need to be concerned about you and keep it strong. Amen. Anyhow, I think I've rode that horse a whole lot in here and there's still people who don't want to be vaccinated. You know, I don't understand. I really don't understand how we trust science so much, but in this situation, we can't trust science. Amen. I don't like taking medicine, but when that doctor told me that I had to be on this medicine that costs $5,435 a month for 10 whole years, guess what I did? I took the medicine. Yeah, I read the side effects, and these side effects affect most people. Aspirin has side effects. Tylenol has side effects. Ibuprofen has side effects. But we, if we're sick, we take the medicine because we trust science. But in this situation, anyhow, I'm concerned about one, I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about my fellow man. I wear my mask because I am concerned not just about protecting me, but the next person. You never know when you've been exposed until you've been until you start feeling sick, and then you get tested. That's when you know. So you 
show concern for one another. But we do live in an individualistic society. It didn't start yesterday. I'll share this with you before. I remember when I was in seminary reading, we had to read a book and it talked about individualism in American society. The book was written in the 70s. It was written in the 70s. I was in seminary, the latter part of, the book was written in the late 60s, the latter part of my, when I was working on my doctorate in the 80s. So this has been going on and it has mushroomed. I mean, it has, it has grown so, it has, it has pervaded every aspect of our society to the point that people don't want you saying anything against them because it is their right to live their lives the way they want to live it. And they will fight you. I was just, I was just talking with the, with the pastor just this past weekend. He was, we got on the subject of mental health issues among teenagers today. And he started talking about a situation in, in, in this particular county that he works in in South Carolina where it has gotten so bad. He said, he said, I am already having double the number of cases that I had all of last year. And people, he said, people, children want to jump off bridges. People want to commit suicide. And then get into the point that people make up their minds that this is their lifestyle. They're going to live it and they will fight you if you take a different position and say something to them about it. It all ties into this whole concept of individualism. And only being concerned about yourself. That was a time, you know, when I was growing up, I was concerned about not putting my parents to shame. Certain things we didn't do because I didn't. I tried to hide stuff, but anyhow, but I wasn't going to do it openly. But people don't care about being public today. They don't care about shaming their parents. Much less shame and bringing shame to God because people feel like this is my life. I live it like I want to live it. And nobody, not even God, has a right to say anything about it. Which, all of that wasn't in the message, but it focuses in on what we're going to talk about. God's mission continues. Yeah, God mission continues. So, so, so. This devotional, it, it encouraged the readers to develop the practice of showing love and concern for one another throughout the year, not just at Christmas time. Uh, and we do this because this is the way of Jesus Christ. Amen. His concern for people, all people, all people, regardless of situation, regardless of circumstance. And I believe that this is one thing that people miss about true Christianity. True Christianity shows concern. I mean, maybe sometimes the way we say things may be kind of harsh or stands that we take may be opposed to what seems to be acceptable in the world, but it is concern. We, we went through a, 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 a period in, in American life where we start talking about tough love. People don't want to hear about tough love anymore. They want easy love. They want you to accept everything they want to do and still embrace them and love them. But we've been through these things. That's why Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. 
you know, it's just, it just, it just grows, 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 grows. More and more and more. Evil has been around uh, since the beginning of time. Amen. And Satan is affecting the prince of the power of the air. Is 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 working diligently to control this world, to take over God's creation. He knows he can't do it, but he will control and manipulate and 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 manage anybody who allow will allow him to have his way in their lives. So anyway, yeah. so we've been taught by the Lord that we are to care for one another. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, the Bible says, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those, amen, of the household of faith. The NIV says, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So if you don't know what household of faith means, it's talking about those who belong to the family of believers. Now, he didn't say do good to only those who belong to the family of believers. He said do good to all people. Amen? So as Christians, we do good to everybody that we have opportunity to do good to. We don't, before we start doing good, we don't ask them, what nationality are you? We don't ask people, what, what faith do you belong to? We do good to all people, but then we have the, we have the mandate to especially care for the family of believers. Why? Because we are peculiar people in this world, and we are, we will be attacked by Satan and his emissaries. So we have to care for one another. Amen? When you go out into the world, and you share Christ and you witness, amen, and, and, and you have been battered and you have been beat up on every side. Uh, it may not be just sharing Christ. It may be just the fact that, that your supervisor knows you are Christian and they hate Christians. Amen. They will do everything or he or she will do everything to make your job hard. When you come back to the family of believers, you should find consolation. You should find encouragement. You should find help. You should find hope in the family of believers. So do good to everybody, but especially those of the household of faith. Now, when I read this devotional, meditated upon this devotional, it caused me to focus on God and his mission to the world through Christ Jesus. You see, I'm not sure, and it's not for me to be sure because I'm not God. Uh, I can't know everything. I'm not sure how many people connect Christmas with God's mission. Uh, we, we may do missional things, and a lot of people do. A lot of people do good things. Uh, like, you know, we did the smiles for kids Christmas. Well, well, it's going to be after Christmas when they get it, but still. But the purpose of that, we did it. We, we, we provided the supplies. But the purpose of that is, is missional because when the pastor gets it, it's going to be an, a witness to the children in that community because of the faith of, of many of the other children who participated in ministry, many of them who gave their lives to Christ, and it will be an encouraging tool to win other people to Christ. But even with that, I, you know, our focus is mission. We, we know the mission of God, but sometimes I wonder, as people in the world do things, is there a missional focus behind it? You know, you can do good deeds. You can have a social ministry, a social services ministry, but, but there is a tipping point. That tipping point is when you bring Christ into the picture. 
When your intention is to win souls, you're not just doing good, but you are intentionally focusing on winning someone to Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And, and, And I still just wonder how many people, you know, really see the missional focus of God in Christ. How many people make that connection? You know, we, 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 we have helped to secularize this time of year. And we participate in the commercialization of this time of year. Because I've spent money, amen, uh, but, but when we spend money, you know, I make sure I give to missions, but in my house, we know that this is about the birth of Christ. And all of us know that this is about the birth of Christ, but it's also about the mission of Christ. It's about the mission of God. And, and so when we participate in the secularization of Christmas and, and, and the commercialization of Christmas without the focus on winning people to Christ, we've missed what God was doing in Christ Jesus. One of the things that we've learned, hopefully, and I teach whenever I have an opportunity to conduct a mission seminar, is that the mission of God does not begin in the book of Matthews. We know Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. We know that the mission of God begins in Genesis, and we see God's mission from Genesis to Revelation. Amen. We get to we get to Revelation uh, chapter five verses uh, I think it's nine and ten. Amen. Where where we see God's mission culminated, and and let me just turn there and 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 read it to you just for a moment, if you will. Well, I guess you have to because you're sitting in here. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you read verse 9, it says, And they sang a new song. You're worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God. You purchased, speaking of Christ, you purchased people for God. Where? From every tribe and language and people and nation. Amen. Amen. And you can read on. But, but think about what God was doing in Jesus. He sent Christ into the world to seek and to save the lost. Not just the Jews, but to purchase men, to purchase people from every people group, every tribe, every nation, every language. Amen. On the face of the earth. So many times we talk about nations, but as you've heard us teach over and over again, God deals with the people, groups, and languages because he is concerned about everybody knowing about Christ and why he sent Christ into the world. Not just African Americans, not just Caucasian Americans, not just Americans, Afghanistanis, Uzbekistanis, uh, 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 Filipinos, uh, wherever. Every language, every tribe, every people. So why do you have mission groups that are translating the scriptures into various languages? Because everybody has a right. Everybody, we must make sure that everyone has an opportunity to hear the gospel of Christ in their own language. 
There's no need for me to go and preach in, a, in, a, in, a, in, in uh, Uzbekistan and people don't speak English and I'm preaching in English. Or to send them an English Bible even. And they don't read English. Amen. So we see God's concern. We see, we see, we see the story of God, amen, from Genesis to Revelation and what he's doing uh, to bring about salvation for mankind. We see God's concern. We see God's care for the people that he's created in his image and his likeness from Genesis to Revelation. Amen. Yeah, yeah. And if you read the book of Genesis, it, it, when you see what God did when Adam and Eve sinned, not just when he created Adam and Eve, but when they sinned, we see that it was God who covers them with animal skins. So it is God who killed the animal, who, who caused the blood to be shed so that their sins could be covered. It was God who cursed Satan and said to Satan, because you've done this, curse you are above all cattle, above, above all wild animals. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Your seed shall bruise his heel. Her seed shall bruise your head. Prophecy about Christ. So we see God's concern for his creation and people, now when we say creation, we're dealing with people first. Amen. Yeah, God loves dogs, but God sure loves people. Dogs don't have souls. There's no heaven for dogs. Amen. Nothing to have a soul. There's no heaven for cats. I don't care how much you love them. There's no heaven for them. Amen. God loves the trees. Amen. Yeah, God wants us to take care of nature, but he loves us. And we see his concern right there in the book of Genesis. Missiologists, missiologists point out that the table of nations in Genesis chapter 10 helps us see that God is concerned about every people group on the face of the earth because from that scripture, we see over seven, uh, approximately 70 nations that stem from Noah and his descendants. And out of that, you see God's concern. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every family. Yeah, yeah. So, saints, disciples of Christ, when we hear this message today, understand the mission of God and, and, and think about how materialistic people have become in this world. Even many of us. A materialism and commercialism that is magnified at this time of year. I mean, we're buying stuff all of the time, but we do go, many people go overboard this time of year. And end up in debt that you can't get out of for a whole year. So by the time Christmas comes next year, you're still paying your credit card bill off from 2021. And then when it comes time to give to the work of the Lord, you're struggling. A lot of people, not everybody, not everybody, not everybody. Commercialism. 
We take the focus off of Christ and we put it on ourselves. And many times we don't put it on others outside of our circles. We put it on us and our children. We buy expensive toys for children that they're going to play with for a couple of weeks. I was looking in my, in my storage room the other day and I have bags of toys that we gave to Yasuto when he was a child. Now he played with most of them, but they're still bags. How many of us who are young enough, <laughs> our children have bags of stuff? Isn't it? May not be toys. Can't, can't even get into our closets because we have so much stuff. So much stuff. And when we talk about giving, sometimes a lot of us in the body of Christ, and thank God for Tabernacle of Praise, most of you are wonderful givers, not just to the ministry, but to missions. Because we got to give beyond ourselves. Got to give beyond ourselves. But one of the things that I've studied in missions is how we have to prepare ourselves to give and to go rather than to stay home. Because when you get consumed in so much debt, you can't afford to go. You can't afford to go. Yeah. Can't afford to go. Can't afford to give, much less go. Because every month, you're spending out more than you're bringing in. You know what I was saying? Robbing Peter to pay. <laughs> Lord, help us get beyond that. Amen? Help us learn to move beyond that. Amen. Praise the Lord. There are a lot of things I would love to have, but I look at it and I say, somebody told me this a long time ago, before you spend that money, ask yourself, do you need that? Do I need that? Do I need a new pair of shoes? I may want a new pair of shoes, but do I need it? Why not take that $100, $150? Women don't pay as much for shoes as men do. Because y'all shop all of the time. <laughs> and if you're going to wear some shoes that don't hurt your feet, you got to pay some money for it. I bought a $10 pair of shoes one time, and I said, Lord, never again. Never will I buy $10. That's, those shoes hurt my feet so bad. Anyhow. Ask yourself, do I need that? You know, what, what else can I do with that money? You know, and, and we may be, we may be in, a, in a situation where we're struggling right now, but when you have the mindset to get out of that, amen, so you cannot have just more for yourself, but you have more to give to the kingdom. Let me tell you what God will do. God will fix it so that you have more to say for yourself and then more to give to the kingdom because you can't be God-given. That's not scripture, but that's a song that sure is based in scripture. Amen. Give and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Shall men, it doesn't say God now, shall men give into your bosom. Now? Yes. Yes, let me get, get back into this message. Yeah, yeah. But the materialism and the commercialism that is magnified, and especially at this time of year, 
I mean, we want, we want our family, we want us when you have little children, you want your children to be like everybody else, you know. And I understand agencies want to help families, you know. But if people would just be honest, because some people hit every agency. Oh, yeah, they hit every agent. They don't think about one another. They're not satisfied with just one or two talks for their children. You know, and the others, Lord, help me today. Let me preach this message. That's another message. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because, listen, I know people struggle, but you got to get, you got to get your mindset changed. Got to change your mindset. Amen? You got to prepare yourself to live. You got to prepare yourself to get a job. You got to prepare yourself to work. Amen? And take care of your own house. Welfare was not meant to be something that you live on all your days. It was meant to be a stopgap measure. Now our government seems like, and that's one of the problems with, with, with the Democrats, is that we want to give money. We, we don't like the Republicans because they start talking about cutting money. We think about all these families who need help. You, shouldn't have, you wouldn't have needed help. But it's not, this thing doesn't start in this generation. It started generations back. Amen? You know what I'm talking about. Let me preach this message. But, you know, and then we get angry. The government is supposed to give me food stamps. The government is supposed to give me welfare. Nobody told you to have all those babies. You don't have a husband. Both of y'all not working and taking care of your family. I'm old enough to remember when anybody got pregnant out of wedlock, it was the family's responsibility. That was no welfare. Grandmama took that child. Grandmama and granddaddy raised that child. Now the first thing a person does is they go and sign up and then live in houses. Now, I don't care if y'all get mad at me, but this is the truth. And if we don't stop this, that's why we who work pay all this money in taxes. And we're raising a generation of people. We're raising another generation of children who feel entitled. They don't want to respect authority. They don't respect authority. Parents at home, the teachers in the school, I'm listening to this lady talking about it takes a village to raise children. I can't raise your child if you're not doing your part at home. Raising a child starts at home, not at the church, not at the school, not with the government. You got to know where your child is at a certain time of night. Well, if mom and dad are at home, well, mama ain't home or daddy ain't home at 9 o'clock at night. How can you know where the child is? There's a, there's a, we, have a, we, have a, we have a problem in this world. And saints of God, the church has to stand up and speak the truth in love. Wait a minute. Lord, help me. Get back to my message. This is part of the mission. That wasn't in the message, but this is a part of the mission of Christ. So when we, when we look... When we look at Christmas, we have to see, we have to see uh, God, God at work in Christ. God sent in Christ. Amen? And, 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 and what God wants us as believers to do is God wants us to develop his heart. He wants us to develop his heart. His heart is his loving concern and compassion for people. 
People are created in his own image and his own likeness. Now, you may say, well, Bishop, you just, you just finished speaking harsh. Well, 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 truth sometimes seems harsh. But Jesus said, you shall know truth, the, the truth, and the truth will do what? Amen. People need to be free. People do need to be free. There's a whole big picture that people don't get when they are not free. Amen. But God loves people. Throughout the Old Testament, we see how God led Israel and cared for Israel and showed mercy and grace to Israel. We see it throughout the New Testament from, him, from his calling of Abraham throughout the, uh, throughout the, 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 the prophets. We see throughout the, the, the law, throughout the prophets, we see God's love for his people. And many times as you read the Psalms, it talks about how God led his people or brought his people out of Egypt when they were enslaved. When they were not a people, he chose them and made them a people. We see how God, as they were in the wilderness, God went before them by day as a pillar of fire and by night as a by day as a, as a cloud and by night as a pillar of fire, leading his people, showing them the way. When the cloud stopped, they, when the cloud rested, they rested. When the cloud lifted, they moved on. It's God's care. Even when they murmured and complained about food, God sent manna from heaven because he cared for his people. In the New Testament, we see the same loving concern, the same compassion, the same grace and mercy, not only shown to Israel, but also to the Gentile populations of the world. In this particular text today, the scripture says she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people. You, you might read that as speaking to, of the nation of Israel, but we know that the Bible says he came unto his own. And his own received him not, but as many as received them, he gave the right to become the sons of God, sons and daughters of God. So we know that what God was doing in Christ, he was showing compassion even on the Gentiles of the world, which would include you and me. We know that God was showing care, and as we study the scriptures, as we get instructions and God's principles from the word of God, this is God's loving care for us. As Holy Spirit lives in us and leads us and guides us and shows us the right way to go and, and warns us about getting into danger, that's God's love and God's care and compassion for us. As Christ has established his church, saved us and brought us into the family of the household of faith, that is God's love, God's care for us. But we can read it in the scriptures. John 3 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world, not just the Jews, but everybody in the world. God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God was at work in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world unto himself. Now, do you know what kind of people are in the world? Every kind. Every kind. Not just the holy. You know, it's not just a whole. Read the genealogy of Jesus. In Matthew, read the genealogy of Jesus. And you'll read about prostitutes. You'll read about murderers, liars, foreigners. And we don't pay attention to this today. 
but even about women. Because in Jewish society and in many traditional, and forgive me if I'm wrong, I know in particular African cultures, even today, women are not treated as equal to men. Women are treated as second-class citizens. Women are property. We saw with Afghanistan, when the troops pull out of Afghanistan, it wasn't just because the United States were there, but we saw what happened with women. And, and, and if you study, read and follow the news, you see it happening every day. We've, y'all have rights, ladies, in the United States of America that many women don't have. In the genealogy of Jesus, we see God's love. So when you read the genealogy of Jesus, you see Tamar. Tamar, uh, her first husband was so wicked, God killed him. Then she didn't have a seed. She didn't have a child to carry on his name, so she dressed as a prostitute so that she could have sexual relations with Judah. And she did. Rahab was a prostitute. This is in the genealogy of Jesus. She was a prostitute. David was a murderer. You know what David did, right? King David. David had an affair with another man's wife and wanted to cover it up. He was a liar too. Wanted to cover it up. And the only way he could do it, he tried to bring the husband home so he and the, um, the woman got pregnant, Bathsheba. And he wanted the husband to come home and for them to have a relationship so that, so that the child would appear to be his. But the man was more noble than David. He knew that during wartime that they abstained from, from sexual relationships and he wouldn't go into his wife. So here David is. I got to figure this out. I'm the king. I can't let this be known. So he told the captain of the army, when you go to battle, put Uriah out front. Then have the troops draw back. He was a murderer. He didn't kill him physically with his own hands, but he set up the situation for Uriah to be killed. A murderer, a liar. All of these in the genealogy of Jesus, but why? To show that the Lord it's concerned about all people, not just those of us who are quote-unquote good people, not just those of us who get dressed on, we've accepted Christ and, and our lives have been changed Now the Lord. It's just really concerned about us. Remember the admonition. Do good to, as you have opportunity, do good to all people. Yes, God is going to, he's going to especially take care of us. Amen. Remember the scripture uh, from uh, uh, the angels, uh, announcing the birth of Christ and it says uh, glory to God in the highest peace on earth and goodwill to what all men on whom God's favor rests so his favor rests upon his children who accept Jesus as Savior Lord and who's trying to live according to the will of God but God wants us to do good to all people God has shown us that the prostitute needs Jesus the homosexual needs Jesus amen the drug addict needs Jesus amen and we are to minister to all people uh, when we look at the scriptures we see God's heart we see God's heart not just 
for us, but for the nations, not just for the United States of America, but for the nations. To those people groups who have never had a missionary, to those people groups who've never had a preacher of the gospel, to those people groups where there are no radio waves or, or, or any other kind of waves to, so that they can tune into the internet or tune into radio and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, God's heart. God's heart. We need a revelation of God's heart because sometimes we're too self-centered. Sometimes we're too limited in our perspective. Not only must we have a revelation of God's heart for the nations, but we have the responsibility to embrace and demonstrate God's heart to the nations. In Christ, God was fulfilling um, his part of his mission to, to and in the world. Amen? In Christ, God was fulfilling his mission to and in the world. He sent Christ to seek and to save those who were lost, regardless of nationality, regardless of skin color, amen, uh, regardless of ethnic background, regardless of financial circumstances, regardless of social class in life. Sometimes I look and I consider, uh, you know, because in missions you have to, when you really engage in societies that are different from yours, you have to pay attention to the culture. And, and so sometimes I wonder about cultures that have caste systems. We don't have an established caste system in the, in the United States, but I think we have an implied caste system sometimes. But when you look at cultures in India and other parts of the world where you get saved, but you stay in the caste that you're in, Jesus should transcend a caste. Because when you look at the early church, it wasn't just the poor who accepted Christ. It wasn't just the poor who were in the fellowship, the same fellowship of believers. It was the poor. It was the rich. It was the uneducated. It was the educated. It was people high up in, in government, officials in the army. It was those who had no status. Yeah. Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Jesus was not selective. He was not selective. He loves all people and he receives all who will believe in him and follow him in faith. The Syrophoenician woman who was a Gentile, Mary Magdalene, who was a prostitute, if I'm correct in saying that, Legion, who was a demoniac, in the, lived in the graveyards. He was so demon-possessed that the people could not contain him. They couldn't control him. What are you going to do today when you see a demoniac like that? <laughs> I remember one of my friends told me years ago in ministry, he said, yeah, he said, we were in revival and we'd had a wonderful service. And when it came time for the altar call, this person came up to the altar. I think it was a woman. And, 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 and she was demon-possessed. And we began to pray for her. And she began to act out. And, 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 and the pastor said, uh, this woman is demon-possessed. Everybody that's not saved needs to leave because the demon will leave her and go. In. He said, everybody cleared the church. He said, the choir cleared the church. Yeah, that's right. It's, a, it's sad. Sad commentary. Here we are. 
We're praising our God. Amen. We're shouting and we're giving praise and, and we're amen in the preacher. But we're afraid of the demon. I have no reason to fear the demon because God has given us authority over the, over the enemy. Whew. Yeah. Legion, Zacchaeus. Amen. The thief hanging on the cross. Jesus cared for all people. Amen. He was not selective. We cannot be selective. Our part in this mission is the same as the Lord's part. Amen. As disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we must be on that loving the lost mission. We must be on that seeking the lost mission. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we must be on that laying down our lives mission. Jesus said, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Oh, yes, 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 yes. This is our mission. If we're going to follow Christ, we can't be selective. We can't pick and choose. We can't discriminate. That is not the heart of God. Amen. 2 Peter 3 and 9 says he is patient with you, not wanting anyone. Oh, I read that a lot. And I say, how many of us don't want anybody to perish? You don't want anybody to perish. Now, it's one thing with having a thought in your mind. It's another thing to step out there and do something. Even just to pray. When you see some, someone passing by. You know, even though things are different in the society and, 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 and you may face some, a lawsuit for, if you're not careful in how you, you have to follow the Lord and his leading, but just to pray for people. Sometimes I see people and I don't have the opportunity to go to them and talk to them, but I pray right there for that person that's in that desperate situation in life. They might be bent over. You ever seen anybody paid attention? People that are walking bent over. They can't straighten up. We have power and authority in those situations. Pray for them. Amen. As I said, the demoniac in the street, the alcoholic, the drug addict, So this mission that we're on requires us being concerned and showing love. To our, it will require sacrifice. But that's just what God did. God sacrificed. Romans 8 and 32 said, He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Sacrifice. Christ, Paul says in Philippians uh, Chapter 2, verse 7, uh, that he made himself of no reputation. NIV says he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being in human likeness, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. You ever thought you were too good to go into certain situations? That's just too nasty for me. I remember several years ago, and I'm almost finished. Oh, it's been more than several. It's been many years ago. This particular pastor told me about their mission group. 
and they were going, they had made up their minds at Christmas time that they were going to go and help older people clean their houses. And there was this house right up the street from the church. And some of the women said, no, we can't go to that house. That's just too nasty. That's the house you need to go to. The one that's nasty. The one that's dirty. I remember when my grandmother was old, when she had gotten, and she had dementia, and she would cook stuff and burn stuff and sometimes forget to wash dishes and put things in the refrigerator that was old and spoiled. And I would go to her house. She didn't have to ask me. I would clean up her kitchen. I went to visit a friend one day. He'd had, a, he'd had an accident and messed up his arm. He couldn't clean his kitchen. I went in the kitchen and I cleaned his kitchen. He said, he said Bishop, you going to do that? Yeah, I'm going to do that. You don't help people that don't need help. Thank you for your help. But I can clean my house. There's somebody that's in desperate need. God's concern. The sacrifice that we make. This calls for sacrifice. Calls for sacrifice. Hmm. Yeah. Jesus did what he did to become that wise and sufficient sacrifice for your sins, for my sins, and for the sins of everybody in the world. When you look at your life, when you look back, some of us might live good lives, but some of us don't have the best story. But Jesus died for us. Jesus died for us. In our dirt, in our filth, in our wretchedness, Jesus gave his life for us. And he calls you and me in this generation to continue his mission to the lost of this world, to the dispossessed of this world, to, the, to what society considers the lowest of the lowest. He calls us to fulfill this mission in the world. So saints, God is still at work in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world unto himself. We can't allow this season to just be about us and our families. We cannot allow this season just to be about us, about us being satisfied and being happy and forgetting what the mission of Christ is, what the mission of God is. This is God's mission in Christ Jesus. And Jesus said, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in York, in Charlotte, in Hickory Grove, in Lake Wiley, Clover, Gastonia, Rock Hill. You shall be my witnesses. Not just at the good houses, but at the bad houses. What you've determined bad. Because that person I created in my image and my likeness. You, you shall be my witnesses. Yeah. God is not looking for part-time workers. 
God is not looking for seasonal workers. He's not looking for temporary employees. God is looking for full-time workers who will engage him, engage with him, and what he is doing in the world. Specific, specifically, he sent Jesus not just to be that sweet little baby boy lying in a manger, but to be the Savior of the world. And he shows us in his life the length he went through to show that he's concerned about all people. That's the message for today. God's mission continues in Christ. When we will recognize it and get engaged, and it's not just a message. You know, sometimes I see people leave their, they leave their decorations up all year long, and it's okay. Because maybe they're trying to give a message. God's mission is every day. Not just about the birth of the Savior. It's about the mission of the Savior. Every day, that mission lives. Every day. Let's stand. So, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us today. Thank you for your mission. Thank you that your mission continues. There was a day when we were not saved. It's because of what you did in Christ that we're saved today. It's because someone engaged with you in your mission that we heard the gospel, that we were led to faith in you. Now we have the same responsibility. We will gather in a few days, family and friends, help us not to forget that those are opportunities that you've given to us to proclaim your gospel, to talk about you, to lead someone to you as you continue your mission in us today. Thank you, Father. Amen. If there is anyone today you would like to engage with the Lord in his mission. Life is not just about you. It's not just about you being satisfied and you being happy and you having an easy life. Life is about serving the Lord, the one who gave his life for you, the one who paid the price to satisfy God's law, which said the soul that sins shall surely die. He was talking about you. He was talking about me. We've all sinned and come short of God's glory. But God did a wonderful thing in Jesus. He sent Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for your sins and mine. He paid the price that we should be paying. He took our punishment.
He shed his blood. He gave his life so that you and I could be saved. We know that, those of us who are saved. We may not live like it sometimes, but we know it. We ought to live like it all of the time so that we can engage with him and what he's doing in the world. But if you're not saved today, or if you are a backslider today, will you give your life to Christ? Will you rededicate your life to the Lord? If you're not saved, give your life. If you were saved, you backslid. If you are, if you are not committed like you are, committed, you're living a secular life. Rededicate your life to the Lord. Let today be the first day of the rest of your life where you rededicate your life to the Lord to serving him in spirit and in truth. When you put self out of the way, and that's a, that's a task, but you got to start somewhere and you got to start sometime and trust the Lord so that you can be engaged with him and his mission in this world. Will you make that decision today? If you're not saved and you want to be saved, it's a matter of you accepting the sacrifice that Jesus made for you on the cross, realizing that that was for you. It's for everybody in the world, but it becomes personal for you. Jesus died for you to reconcile you to God. If you want to be reconciled today, pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. Lord, I heard the preacher. He said you gave your life for me on the cross. Lord, I believe you did. I believe you gave your life for my sake. Your death satisfied God's law on my behalf. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save me from my sin. I accept you as my Savior, and I commit my life to you so that you will be my Lord. Thank you, Lord. As I receive you today, thank you for receiving me. Thank you for saving me. Amen. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. 
Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.